0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And I gotta tell you, when I started Virtual Legality, just a little bit over three years ago, I didn't anticipate this much tumult in the industry, When I wanted to talk about business and law of video games, I thought we'd be talking about contract terms, terms of service, website terms, not seemingly every major publisher, every major console creator and provider getting in on what can only be described as an acquisition war at this point in time, culminating as of yet in one of the biggest news items in video game history. Activision Blizzard has entered into an acquisition document with who else? Who's even got the money for it? but Microsoft. This was brought to my attention by really hundreds of you in emails and tweets and social media notes with the following tweet from Xbox. Today is a historic moment. We are excited to announce that the world-renowned franchises and talented people at Activision Blizzard will be joining Team Xbox. Full announcement details here. We will, of course, be looking at that link in just a moment, but it is worthwhile to note that this is a big freaking deal. This is Call of Duty. This is World of Warcraft. This is, and I think some people skip it, Candy Crush and King, which is not a small part of the mobile gaming community. And if you've been following Virtual Legality for the last little while, you know that mobile is one of the drivers of investor demands, investors' interest. And we saw that very recently with Take-Two purchasing Zynga, primarily for its mobile platform and mobile name. So, King is not a small part of this acquisition, even though a number of you want to know more about this because, of course, the premium titles, the console titles, what the core gamers, as usually described, want out of an Xbox or a PlayStation or Activision or a Game Pass. And so, with all that being said, let's take a look at what Microsoft linked to gamers first and foremost, which doesn't include the business terms, doesn't include what is actually a fairly significant reorganization behind the scenes at Xbox to go along with this announcement, but instead talks about why gamers should be excited. Welcoming the incredible teams and legendary franchises of Activision Blizzard to Microsoft Gaming. As a team, we are on a mission to extend the joy and community of gaming to everyone on the planet. We recognize that as kind of Phil Spencer's motto when he's talking about all this Always, 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 he says, hey, I want everybody to be able to play everything, everywhere. Which, of course, is a great mission statement. Also, a little bit disingenuous insofar as in order to do that from the Xbox platform, you do have to do some damage to some of your competing platforms. Nothing wrong with that, but it does mean that, for instance, I wouldn't expect a Call of Duty game on a PlayStation system after this deal is fully consummated. And taking a step back, if you've been in virtual legality for a while, you know this already, but it's important to note that when you see headlines that say, this has already happened, that Activision Blizzard is a part of Microsoft now, that is not in fact the case. What it does mean, what these announcements mean today is that the two companies, boards of directors, have agreed on this transaction. They've signed a document that is committing both sides to do the transaction but there are still a number of steps to follow. Shareholder approvals to gather, regulatory approvals, which we'll be talking about in the back half of this video to get from the United States, from places like the EU, where they might have a little bit more trouble than even here. And so we're not looking at a transaction that is complete. It will probably take some time. When they announced the acquisition of Bethesda, I believe they announced it in the fall. It got consummated the next spring. This one might take longer. This is a deal that is a multiple of the size of Microsoft's acquisition of Bethesda and why so many people ask me antitrust questions all of a sudden. Questions that don't have definitive answers I will spoil for you right now, but that we can talk about at length at the back end of this video. Continuing with the initial statement, as we pursue that mission, it is incredibly exciting to announce that Microsoft has agreed to acquire Activision Blizzard. Over many decades, the studios and teams that make up Activision Blizzard have earned vast wellsprings of joy and respect from billions of people all over the world. And there's the elephant in the room that we will see addressed kind of oddly in many of these statements as we go over them. But that is, of course, that Activision Blizzard has had a very tumultuous, very problematic time over the past six plus months because of the lawsuit from the state of California that we have covered in depth Here in virtual reality, please do check out that playlist if you're interested in the specifics there but that has driven the respect the goodwill the joy out of activision blizzard and customers have been realizing that for some time now and activision blizzard has been trying to handle that in such a way that their stock price was driven very low which is a part of the story which we'll talk about as well but the purpose of statements like this is that Folks at Microsoft, folks at various publishing partners and other business partners of Activision Blizzard have had issues with their employees and working with Activision Blizzard. We've seen that throughout the last few months, including Microsoft. And it's only a couple of weeks ago when Phil Spencer was asked about what they were doing with Activision Blizzard, and he gave some kind of non-answer about how they were doing certain things. And now, of course, in the shadow of an acquisition, we know that he had to be even more careful about what he said to those outlets. But the point remains that it's not just the Microsofts and Sonys and Nintendos and everyone else as entities that have to deal with the Activision Blizzard story, but they have to deal with their own employees and consultants and contractors that have their own concerns. And we'll see them try to address that in these statements. Whether or not that works for you or not is going to depend largely on how you feel about Phil Spencer and Microsoft. But we'll talk about what they say in just a second. Until this transaction closes, it's not closed. Activision Blizzard and Microsoft Gaming will continue to operate independently. Once the deal is complete, the Activision Blizzard business will report to me as CEO Microsoft Gaming. And if you aren't familiar with that title, it's because it didn't exist before this reorganization. Phil Spencer has effectively gotten a major promotion to run what is going to be one of the bigger divisions at Microsoft. Clearly, Microsoft as an entity has decided to put a lot of eggs, in the gaming basket, presumably believing in Phil Spencer's leadership. And there's no real reason not to over the past few years. And he has been promoted to a title in CEO Microsoft gaming that implies not only a high level at Microsoft, but that Microsoft might not be done because this is a reorganization that implies that, Hey, they could run more than 30 studios. And so keep your eyes on the ball here. Microsoft might not be finished, although certainly the antitrust questions that a number of you have raised with me will change that equation depending on if any of those regulatory bodies decide to do anything upon close upon the actual sale of activision blizzard to microsoft we will offer as many activision blizzard games as we can within xbox game pass and pc game pass both new titles and games from activision blizzard's incredible catalog so their intent just like when they purchased bethesda is to move everything activision into game pass Subject, we could read between the lines here too, whatever contractual commitments they have, whatever purchasing rights Sony might've used in order to lock in certain Call of Duty aspects, whatever it might be. Other than that, they're gonna move everything they can into Game Pass. Game Pass continues to be Microsoft's real product even more than the Xbox. They also announced today that Game Pass has more than 25 million subscribers. That recurring revenue source, that subscription service, is how Microsoft wants to compete in the gaming market now and in the medium to long term. The fantastic franchises across Activision Blizzard will also accelerate our plans for cloud gaming, allowing more people in more places around the world to participate in the Xbox community using phones, tablets, laptops, and other devices you already own. They'll be able to put Activision Blizzard games in that cloud gaming capability, which of course is another big value add for Microsoft as a company. Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion. Here's where we get the paragraph where they try to address the concerns people might have with them adopting the problematic stepchild of Activision Blizzard into the Microsoft family. Committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of gaming among both employees and players. We deeply value individual studio cultures, which is a sentence just kind of sits off on its side. We also believe that creative success and autonomy go hand in hand with treating every person with dignity and respect. So competing concepts here in even just this paragraph, we want you to know that we find it important that studios retain their cultures. We buy studios and we try to let them be what they are, right? And we've seen this with some Microsoft acquisitions. We see this most prominently, in my opinion, with Double Fine that finished off Psychonauts 2 to great acclaim with the resources of Microsoft, but it is still clearly a double fine game Microsoft's goal here is to let those cultures exist but also Activision Blizzard's culture is at the heart of what is causing problems for Activision Blizzard right now so they say but we believe that success really requires dignity and respect we hold all teams and all leaders to this commitment we're looking forward to extending our culture of proactive inclusion to the great teams across Activision Blizzard. Now proactive inclusion is kind of a buzz phrase. I don't know exactly what that means. I have a concept of what it means from Xbox and Microsoft, but it's an odd paragraph, right? We value studio cultures, but hey, we all know what Activision Blizzard is. And while we value that, we look forward to actually extending our own culture over and across Activision Blizzard. This is a message to the people that would be most concerned with Activision Blizzard's culture as, hey, we're gonna take care of this. Once we close this transaction, we're gonna try to get them creative autonomy, but not really autonomy with respect to what you might be most worried about. Whether or not that works is a different question, but that's what this paragraph is aimed at. Then we get the gaming leadership team. You get kind of movements around here. I think there's another announcement that we'll talk about that moved the marketing folks around a little bit, but Phil Spencer here sits at the top of what is essentially a reorganized gaming committee at Xbox, and that's a big deal. Now, what you don't see in this announcement, despite the tweet telling us that all the details are here, is the details of the business dealings here. What is the price? How is this going to be done? Bethesda was purchased for all cash. Are you really going to purchase Activision for all cash? And shareholders and people that are selling their companies like an all cash transaction because there's limited risk there. They know exactly what the value of what they are getting is, and Microsoft did that for Bethesda, but Activision Blizzard is a lot bigger. So that was the question I had. And so we turn to the actual news articles from Microsoft that gives us a few bits of those business dealings. Microsoft will acquire Activision Blizzard for $95 per share in an all cash transaction valued at $68.7 billion inclusive of Activision Blizzard's net cash. They're not doing it cash-free as a transaction. That just changes the math a little bit for you accountants out there. When the transaction closes, Microsoft will become the world's third largest gaming company by revenue behind Tencent and Sony. And what's important there is they'll become the world's third largest gaming company, but that's inside one of the biggest technology companies in the world at the same time. And we're going to talk about how that may or may not impact antitrust analysis in just a minute. But the important number here, the top line number is $95 per share. And if we look at Activision's stock price, what I see most prominently is that this is Microsoft taking advantage of the troubles at Activision Blizzard. $95 per share doesn't jump out at you as a huge amount. Why? Because if we look at the Activision stock price, we see that when they were going through the lockdowns, they had achieved prices of 101, of 93, of 95, of 96. This is effectively Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard at market value as if this cultural problem didn't happen. And the reason that can make sense for Microsoft, of course, is that they can say, well, they've got all these assets that are really worth $101 per share, maybe $90 per share, maybe. And those assets can be wielded by us through game pass through microsoft essentially cleansed of the problems that others might have with them and we don't actually have to take on this giant loss in value because it is going to be fixed by the time they get acquired now is that right i don't know but that's what i see here is effectively microsoft getting to purchase a company like activision blizzard at a bare minimum premium. It looks like a lot, right? When we actually look at the announcement because the current price of the shares is somewhere in the mid 60s, right? 64, 64, 64. Then it pops up as it does, as we talked about in the Zynga acquisition. This is investors saying, well, if they're going to buy it for $95 a share, then it's worth a lot more than 60. You can see here investors are pricing in whether or not they think it's actually going to get sold. I would argue here, what you're seeing in this kind of decline is investors reflecting on the fact of whether or not they think the FTC, the DOJ, the EU is actually going to allow this transaction. So the reason you don't see this at $95 and instead you see it right now at $83 is that discount of whether or not this transaction is actually gonna happen. Because if you were certain that it was gonna happen, then these shares are worth $95 as of right now. But this is a discount for, hey, maybe it doesn't happen either way, What you see here is a very aggressive Microsoft taking advantage of a company in turmoil. And I say taking advantage not to have any negative connotation attached to that. This is just business, but taking advantage of that turmoil to buy them at what amounts to a very limited premium, even though it looks like a more significant premium as of today's day and date. Bobby Kotick, which a number of you asked me about as well will continue to serve as CEO of Activision Blizzard. And that's going to raise some eyebrows in a whole number of quarters. And he and his team will maintain their focus on driving efforts to further strengthen the company's culture and accelerate business growth. Now, behind the scenes here, there's a couple of things happening, right? We've covered Activision Blizzard with dozens of videos here in Virtual Legality. One of the things we do know is that Bobby Kotick is a strong CEO, that controlled various aspects of his board. The board immediately backed him up when people were calling for his resignation. And I would argue that the board of Activision Blizzard was not going to enter into a deal of this type without some assurances for Bobby. That's the kind of control that he had over the company. And so Bobby Kotick will remain as CEO reporting to Phil Spencer, but whether or not that's a permanent state of affairs or has already been negotiated as a landing pathway for Bobby Kotick is an open question. And that's not one that they would announce to us here, but very often when you have acquisitions, when you have mergers, you have CEOs and founders, and this is effectively a founder led company, even though Bobby wasn't the original founder of Activision Blizzard. And he says, okay, I'm gonna get this job. I don't want it to look like I'm being wiped out. And we're gonna have a five year transition services agreement or something along those lines. Whereas once this is all set, Bobby Kotick probably isn't adding a ton of value to this deal for Microsoft. He's, in fact, something of a roadblock to it, effectively, with PR problems, etc., etc. But this deal wouldn't get done without this kind of paragraph. So they agree to operate under Phil Spencer. They agree to operate under Microsoft. And what happens to Bobby in the long term will be a part of this story. Then we get some quotes. Gaming is the most dynamic and exciting category in entertainment across all platforms today and will play a key role in the development of metaverse platforms, said Satya Nadella, chairman and CEO of Microsoft. We're investing deeply in world-class content, community in the cloud to usher in a new era of gaming that puts players and creators first and makes gaming safe, inclusive, and accessible to all. That gets referenced in almost every quote because of the troubles at Activision Blizzard. Now you do see that reference to metaverse I would argue that Activision Blizzard isn't adding much to a metaverse concept, at least as we know it right now. But that metaverse is a word that investors like to hear right this second. Whether or not it works out in the long term, it's a word that investors want to know that technology companies are contemplating and thinking about and potentially making plans for. So you do see it referenced in these kinds of capacities. I don't think that means that You need to worry about anything specific with this transaction resulting in more metaverse problems at Microsoft or anywhere else. Players everywhere love Activision Blizzard games, and we believe the creative teams have their best work in front of them, said Phil Spencer. This is a very carefully crafted quote. You'll note that it's not players everywhere love Activision Blizzard, it's that they love their games. And that can be true. Certainly a lot of people like Call of Duty, a lot of people like Diablo and Overwatch. Together, we will build a future where people can play the games they want virtually anywhere they want. And now we have Bobby Kotick. For more than 30 years, our incredibly talented teams have created some of the most successful games. The combination of Activision Blizzard's world-class talent and extraordinary franchises with Microsoft's technology distribution, access to talent, ambitious vision, and shared commitment to gaming and inclusion will help ensure our continued success in an increasingly Competitive industry. Now, whether or not it's increasingly competitive is going to be the story of whether this transaction is allowed to proceed. We'll get to that. I know I've promised it a number of times, but you can see Bobby Kotick himself effectively saying, Hey, Microsoft's got a lot of money. They've got a lot of access to talent. I'm going to mention inclusion because that's a requirement of all these quotes. And effectively, Activision Blizzard is getting out of the business and giving it all to Microsoft. Mobile is the largest segment in gaming, this press release says. Through great teams and great technology, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard will empower players to enjoy the most immersive franchises like Halo and Warcraft virtually anywhere they want. And with games like Candy Crush, Activision Blizzard's mobile business represents a significant presence and opportunity for Microsoft in this fast-growing segment. So yeah, we can take Activision Blizzard stuff. We can put it in our cloud gaming. We can put it on Game Pass. That's a big deal to us. But don't forget candy crush and mobile and microsoft hasn't had that large of a presence as they will when this deal is finally closed the activision the acquisition also bolsters microsoft's game pass portfolio with plans to launch activision blizzard games into game pass and upon closing microsoft will have 30 internal game development studios along with additional publishing and esports production capabilities The transaction is subject to customary closing conditions. There's always a whole host of conditions and third-party signatures that you need to gather, etc. And completion of regulatory review and Activision Blizzard's shareholder approval. The deal is expected to close in fiscal year 2023, so a little ways out. And the transaction has been approved by the boards of directors of both Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. So the deal's not done. It's for about $70 billion dollars being purchased at roughly the market capitalization that Activision Blizzard had before the troubles of the California and other lawsuits. And Microsoft intends to put it all on Game Pass and to take advantage of the mobile platform that they have gained through the acquisition of King. That's exactly what you see the CEO basically tell investors. Here's Satya Nadella's email, I'm sorry, to employees, not to their investors. I'm thrilled to share this morning that we announced an agreement to acquire Activision Blizzard in an all-cash transaction valued at $68.7 billion. This agreement is a testament to the impact our gaming team has delivered, and I am deeply grateful for their hard work and commitment. Over the past few years, we've expanded our content pipeline and have become leaders in game subscriptions as well as cloud gaming. And this holiday, It was especially gratifying to see the response from fans and read the great reviews of our new first-party titles, Halo and Forza. Effective today, Phil Spencer will become CEO Microsoft Gaming. We look forward to extending our journey to create a more diverse and inclusive culture to our new colleagues at Activision Blizzard and ensuring all our employees can do what they love while thriving in a safe and welcoming environment, one where everyone feels empowered to do their best work. So you get all of this kind of reading between the lines statements about Activision Blizzard. And they're trying to talk to their employees. They're trying to talk to the investors that would be most concerned about this. And they're telling the world, even though they can't really say it, that they're going to change Activision Blizzard. We look forward to extending our journey to create a more diverse and inclusive culture to our new colleagues at Activision Blizzard is as much you can say in a business statement, hey, we look forward to taking them over and changing them as you can in this kind of context. They said they're going to be hosting a webcast with investors, which I think has already gone on. And then you get Phil Spencer talking to his gaming crew. Obviously, today's agreement to acquire Activision Blizzard is incredibly exciting. In fact, it's a milestone for our company, our business, and our industry. As players and partners, we all know how talented and dedicated the teams and studios are across Activision Blizzard. But Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of gaming among both employees and players. We deeply value individual studio cultures, which we saw in the earlier statement. We also believe that creative success and autonomy go hand in hand with treating every person with dignity and respect. We look, are looking forward to extending our culture of proactive inclusion to Activision Blizzard. Again, when we take them over, we're not going to be dealing with the stuff that you're worried about, employee as having seen Activision Blizzard in the news for the past nine months. We're going to take care of it. Will they succeed? That's an open question, but they're telling their people that they have a plan to change the culture at Activision Blizzard. We expect this acquisition to close in fiscal year 23, pending regulatory approvals. We're going to get to that in just a minute. As Satya mentioned, I am now CEO Microsoft Gaming. This change is a reflection of the incredible work each of you are doing to create the best entertainment ecosystem anywhere. As a leadership team, we know how much exciting but difficult work we have ahead of us, so it's crucial that we operate as a single unified team, that gaming is getting its own piece of geography within Microsoft. To that end, I'm excited to announce Effective today that our CMO, Marketing Operating Officer of Gaming, and his marketing team will move to report directly to me. They're consolidating gaming resources because this is a big deal to Microsoft. Now, amidst all of that, we're talking about a $70 billion acquisition, not a $7.5 billion one, as was the case with Bethesda. So a number of years perked up, a number of eyebrows were raised because, hey, we live in an era of acquisition and consolidation within the video game industry microsoft buys bethesda take two buys zynga sony buys insomniac and a lot of other littler companies all within the lifespan of virtual legality which is only three years old or so this has been a major upturn a major bit of upheaval in the video game industry and so it makes sense for people to ask the question, hey, are any regulatory authorities going to get involved? We see it in the news. In fact, we see it very recently. We see that the FTC is moving against Facebook for acquisitions that they made almost a decade ago with respect to purchases of Instagram and WhatsApp. That the FTC says, hey, those were monopoly purchases designed to kill rival competitors before they could become significant competitors to Facebook. And we think we should be able to unwind that transaction long after it happened. Here in 2022, we see an administration in the United States, both the Department of Justice and the executive branch levels, President Biden's administration, more keen to potentially use antitrust rules to stop mergers, to stop things that they see as illegal restraints of trade that harm competition. So it's important to understand what this process looks like in the United States. Now, I will say I'm not a European Union lawyer. I will tell you that the European Union very often takes a more aggressive stance with transactions like this. And if there is gonna be trouble for a potential acquisition like this one, it might well live in the European Union or another jurisdiction over the United States. But I'm a US lawyer. I can talk to you about what the US does. And what the US does is have the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission Review basically every transaction over a certain size. Or as the FTC describes it, under the Hart-Scott-Rodino Act, the FTC and the Department of Justice review most of the proposed transactions that affect commerce in the United States and are over a certain size, and either agency can take legal action to block deals that it believes would, and here's the big quote, substantially lessen competition. Although there are some exemptions, for the most part, current law requires companies to report any deal that is valued at more than 92 million not billion 92 million so the FTC and the department of justice take an interest in any deal that's about hundred million dollars or more after the companies report a proposed deal to one of these agencies the agencies will do a preliminary review to determine whether it raises any antitrust concerns that warrant closer examination we'll look in a second about exactly what that means during that preliminary review the parties must wait 30 days before closing their deal Based on what the agency finds, it can do one of three things. It can terminate the waiting period and allow the parties to consummate their transaction effectively, give them the green light. Two, they can let the waiting period expire, which allows the parties to consummate the transaction. Or three, if the initial review has raised competition issues, the agency may extend the review and ask the parties to turn over more information. And all of this lives in the statute with the notion of lessening competition right? The Clayton Act, which we've referenced before in virtual legality says effectively that no person engaged in commerce shall acquire the stock or other share capital of another person also engaged in commerce, where the effect of that acquisition may be to substantially lessen competition or tend to create a monopoly. So these two agencies are part of this review process based on the premise that, Hey, some mergers might result in substantially lessened competition. And if we want to take a closer look, we'll ask for more information. If a second request is issued, the companies must provide that information. Once the parties have certified that they have complied with the request, which can take some time, the investigating agency has 30 days from the completion of the information filing to complete its review and take action if necessary, which can mean to close the investigation, enter into a settlement with the company, some kind of document that says, okay, You can do this transaction, but you have to get rid of just pulling things out of the air. King. We're worried about you owning King for some reason. You have to divest of that in order to purchase the rest of Activision. That is very unlikely to happen because of Microsoft's position in the mobile market. But that's the kind of thing that you can enter into in a settlement document. Or the FTC or the DOJ can take legal action in federal district court or through the FTC's administrative process to block the deal. Or as we see with respect to things like Facebook, to actually unwind a deal that went through this process and the FTC and the DOJ didn't stop. And that's one of the issues with this kind of action that we are currently seeing that they're trying to unwind deals that went through a review process, but this isn't an approval process. As you can see from all of these kinds of references, effectively, the period ends or they allow you to consummate the transaction. Nobody at the FTC or the DOJ is saying this is fine. They're just allowing it to go through which allows them the ability 10 years hence to say ah actually we think that was a potential problem and i don't think that's a great thing for business transactions on the whole but that's the way the ftc and the doj are operating right now now you might also look at this and say rick i don't feel like i have a greater handle on when a deal will be blocked just because you have the quote substantially less in competition And I would say to you, I don't blame you. That's why the FTC and the DOJ have long documents called guidelines here, the horizontal merger guidelines that talk about what they might otherwise be looking at in this context. And we're going to take a few quotes from here just so that you can get a feel about it. And then I'm going to give you the conclusion where I say, hey, I'm not sure that the United States is actually going to move against this deal. So how do these guidelines work? They say these guidelines outline the principal analytical techniques, practices, and the enforcement policy of the Department of Justice and Federal Trade Commission with respect to mergers and acquisitions involving actual or potential competitors under the federal antitrust laws. The agencies seek to identify and challenge competitively harmful mergers while avoiding unnecessary interference with mergers that are either competitively beneficial or neutral. Most merger analysis is necessarily predictive, requiring an assessment of what will likely happen if a merger proceeds as compared to what will likely happen if it does not. In other words, this particular area of law is effectively asking these two agencies to guess, based on historical precedent, based on analytics, based on data that they can gather, but to guess what the effect overall will be on competition for a merger that, in general, hasn't happened yet. These guidelines should be read with the awareness that merger analysis does not consist of uniform application of a single methodology, And the unifying theme of these guidelines is that mergers should not be permitted to create, enhance, or entrench market power or to facilitate its exercise. A merger enhances market power if it is likely to encourage one or more firms to raise their price, reduce their output, diminish innovation, or otherwise harm customers as a result of diminished competitive constraints or incentives. So backing up a step here, one of the things that's going to pop out if the FTC or the DOJ or the EU or anyone else decides to look at this more closely is what market are we talking about? When we talk about market power, the easy answer for Microsoft is, hey, as we just mentioned, we're only going to be the third biggest in terms of revenue. There are a lot of players in this space, Sony, Nintendo, Tencent, EA, what used to be Activision, Ubisoft. And so if those players are all permitted, then we don't have a monopoly kind of situation. We aren't at that level where somebody is trying to take even 40% of the market. So why are you trying to get engaged with us, DOJ or FTC? The counter to that might well be that yes, overall, any given form of the video game market, whether it's mobile, console, AAA, all these various other things, they have enough players to not be bothered by a Microsoft acquisition, But Microsoft is presently in the business of establishing a brand new market, which is the Game Pass market, the recurring revenue stream, the subscription to AAA core video game experiences. And as a single player there, with what we know to be some kind of competitive effort from Sony coming at some point in the future, is Microsoft a monopolist in that kind of market specifically? In other words if you sit back and you think about this transaction and you think they're going to add call of duty they're going to add world of warcraft they're going to add all this stuff to game pass do you anticipate that the game pass price will remain the same do you anticipate that sony will be able to leverage a competitor to this specific market of recurring revenue subscription services for video games now that both bethesda and activision blizzard are off the table do you anticipate that xbox could raise the price could change what it is that you get from Game Pass with very limited ability for any other market participant to challenge them on that score. And I think if you are so inclined to use the powers of the antitrust laws that the DOJ or the FTC, looking at it from that perspective, perhaps gives you the ability to do so. Xbox and Phil Spencer have made no illusion of what they intend to do with this. They intend it to go into Game Pass. They intend it to go into cloud gaming. They intend to take over those specific markets. Does this acquisition limit the ability of both current and future competitors from engaging in that market? And I think you could argue that the case is yes, even though I think that's a more tricky argument than looking at video gaming on the whole, which is where Microsoft would likely want to aim you because there are so many market participates in gaming as an industry continuing with these guidelines a merger can enhance market power simply by eliminating competition between the merging parties which is undoubtedly happening here right activision was a competitor to selling video games to customers call of duty was a competitor to halo all of those are going to be under the same umbrella there is no doubt a removal of a competitor doesn't make it a violation of these laws but there's no doubt that that is in fact happening Enhancement of market power by sellers often elevates the prices charged to customers. Where I think that would live is definitely within Game Pass. The agencies consider any reasonably available and reliable evidence to address the central question of whether a merger may substantially lessen competition. And that includes the kinds of things that people were asking me about. Most specifically, market shares and concentration. What we saw referenced in Epic versus Apple. The agencies give weight to the merging parties' market shares in a relevant market, the level of concentration and the change in concentration caused by the merger. The issue is not all of gaming, though. There are too many market participants still for the DOJ and the FTC to really make a strong argument that Microsoft is becoming a monopolist gaming provider, even with this acquisition. Where they might have that traction is with this new business model and whether or not that is a separate market that Xbox is effectively gathering monopoly control over. The agencies also consider whether the merging firms have been or likely will become absent the merger substantial head-to-head competitors. Activision Blizzard was never really on the size or scope of Microsoft, but they were definitely competing for those gamer dollars. And the agencies typically obtain substantial information from merger parties themselves. Explicit or implicit evidence that the merging parties intend to raise prices, reduce output or capacity... Reduce product quality or variety, withdraw products or delay their introduction or curtail research and development efforts after the merger or explicit or implicit evidence that the ability to engage in such conduct motivated the merger can be highly informative in evaluating the likely effects of a merger. Likewise, the agencies look for reliable evidence that the merger is likely to result in efficiencies on the other side, right? Part of this argument is also, hey, yes, We're going to lose a competitor, but Microsoft has a lot of resources. Microsoft has done well with these parties. Game Pass is a product that doesn't exist if Microsoft can't gather these resources. And maybe, even if they are in total control of that, Microsoft is still doing something that advantages consumers in the video game industry on the whole. That said, if the FTC or the DOJ decides to take a second look at all of this, they're going to be looking potentially at the emails that we're engaged in between these parties. They're going to be looking at, hey, did you ever say this will allow us to jack up the price of Game Pass or this will allow us to position Call of Duty away from Halo and make it so that we can manage to get more profits by withdrawing products from the marketplace and otherwise making customers have to pay the price for this acquisition. In any of those cases, the FTC or the DOJ might decide to cause problems for the transaction. Also, these agencies look at what customers have to say. The conclusions of well-informed and sophisticated customers on the likely impact of the merger itself can also help the agencies investigate competitive effects because customers typically feel the consequences of both competitively beneficial and competitively harmful mergers. In evaluating such evidence, the agencies are mindful that customers may oppose or favor a merger for reasons unrelated to the antitrust issues raised by that merger. Now, this wasn't written for this purpose, but I can't help but read this as, sure, some customers might like it, they might have good antitrust complaints, but also we gotta watch out for those console warriors who are just really gung-ho about Xbox buying things or really hate it when Sony loses things. And so we understand that customers maybe aren't the most unbiased sources of information for these questions. And this goes on for pages and pages and pages. And I will, of course, link this in the description of the video. You can check out these horizontal merger guidelines to your heart's content. The takeaway here is that antitrust continues to be a very amorphous bit of law. So this is a big deal. I strongly suspect the FTC and the DOJ will take a closer look at it just due to its size and prominence. But I would actually be surprised if the U.S. agencies decided to move against it with anything but maybe a bit of a hand wave settlement that requires certain divestiture or something along those lines. I say that not as a guarantee. It also wouldn't surprise me if they went in the other direction. I certainly wouldn't be stunned. But if you're looking at this from an antitrust perspective, it's important to note that video gaming on the whole, still very robust, still has a lot of market participants. And if Microsoft can convince these agencies that what we're talking about is gaming itself and not Game Pass and not cloud gaming and not more specific markets where Microsoft might have the kind of power that these agencies are worried about, then this deal is likely to go through. I'll tell you in general that you don't sign a definitive document like this. You don't put all this information out there. If you think that this is going to be blocked, you have back office abilities to go and talk to these various agencies and say, Hey, are you likely to cause trouble for this? Microsoft probably doesn't enter into this in quite the same fashion. If they think it's going to be blocked, that doesn't, of course, mean that there's a guarantee there either. So when we're looking at all this, this is obviously the biggest story maybe in the history of the video game industry. If you take anything away from this video, it's that the deal isn't closed. The deal still has to go through some regulatory approvals that aren't guarantees and that are really living in the minds of various agency members as to whether or not they want to cause trouble for this transaction. But it certainly is indicative of Microsoft, the 3,000 pound gorilla in the room, taking gaming even more seriously in 2022 than they did when they spent seven and a half billion dollars last year. So Microsoft continues to be a very big story here. Activision Blizzard continues to be a story of their own. And the California lawsuit doesn't go away. It just means that Microsoft believes they can fix Activision Blizzard. Whether or not you agree with them, well, that's gonna be up to you. Leave a comment to this video about how you think this is gonna go. Otherwise, if you enjoy conversations about the business and law of video games, God knows we've had enough of them and looks like we'll continue to have more, please consider supporting the channel at Patreon. We've got other ways to support us listed below. Otherwise, just subscribing, telling your friends, sharing these videos, contacting me, as so many of you did this morning, when you see a story that you want me to cover,